I'm Cynthia Murphy. And I'm Georgia Bowers. And this is Delete My Browser History. Hi. Hello. This is going to be an interesting one because as Cynthia, we, we were just chatting and it's a full moon today. The full moon so... I've got to edit this to get out tomorrow, <laughs> even though <laughs> we're recording all day. So it's, going to be a lot. it's already been um, Yeah. Um, I just wanted to share something quickly before we get started. Mm. Something came through my letterbox <gasps> yesterday. <gasps> what is it? I'll start. I'll start with showing you this first. In my hand, I have a red candle. Oh. You know, Charlie did a, a video, and I just kept giggling because whatever way she held the candle, it looked really rude. I know yeah I was like trying to take a picture of it and I was like it's just not it's just not going you ready for this what I I not even got one yet. Oh, isn't it beautiful it's a beautiful oh. um like arc it's it just feels it's so like feels like a real real book you know what I mean it is a but real it, book um, it's just, yeah it is a real it's just an early copy oh just an early copy yeah it's not a proof oh you can edit that bit out then. I was like, wow, they've really put a lot of effort into these. Uh... <laughs> and I love the um, the floor plans at the beginning. Yeah, I know. But yeah, if you don't, because people are listening, obviously, so they have no idea what I'm talking about, but I'm holding in my hands a copy of The Midnight Game by Cynthia Murphy, which is due to be released in January 2023. Yep. Yeah, I've not even got a copy yet. I'm hoping that it'll come any day now because I know it was sent out around the same time, but Southerners seem so to I... be theirs first. Oh, uh, well, this is what happens, isn't it, when you live down south? Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, and also, massive congratulations on your recent news that you shared. Thank you. Um, yeah, I don't know if we've got any listeners in America. I think we do. I think there's yet, a couple maybe. on the map. Um, yeah. yeah, all of my books are coming to the US starting from fall 2023. So um, if you've struggled to get hold of Win, Lose, Kill, Die, if you've seen it online, you'll be able to get it in the US. Exciting stuff. Right. Down to business now. Yes. We've got all the congratulations out of the, order, <laughs> out of the way. So as you, start, as you were talking about um, haunted theatres last time, I thought we'd talk about haunted libraries oh nice okay so, yeah obviously if you didn't know already I am a librarian so spend a lot of time in libraries and um have worked in lots of different libraries that I've always you know kind of felt a little bit of a presence so I have done a little bit of research and found a few libraries around the world that all have like their own ghosts I did think that a library that I was working in years ago was actually had a ghost because me and the girl that worked there when we was that me sorry we locked up the library to go and get some lunch it was a library and it had a light like a learning annex um attached to it and we locked it all up and went off to subway came back with our subway and when we were sitting in and the library was closed over lunchtime so when we were sitting in the staff room we were eating our footlongs and heard a noise heard a table like we were genuinely like what is that the furniture is moving out there what the hell is going on so I was like come on let's go and have a look and we crept out the staff room and started walking down the corridor and a chair like a chair leg scraped 
the the tile on the floor and I'm not joking I grabbed the girl that I was with I pushed her in front of me and we both shuffled down and there was this poor woman sitting there with her book oh, and we'd no. not been <laughs> And she was just quietly sitting there reading her book, making all this, you know, ghostly sort of noises. And we were like, oh, shit, sorry. <laughs> yeah, so it was fine in the end. I was thinking anyway. it's going to be a Ghostbusters type, um, oh, yeah. you know, the well, that's lady in the library. She yeah. And her face is all horrible. That's it. Yeah, she's at the card catalogue, isn't she? Oh, I don't know. Um, yeah, so... Um, why are libraries haunted? Is it is it just because people like hanging out in libraries and ghosts, you know, like to go and visit the library? Sometimes there's stories of people dying in the building, but also some people have said that libraries are places of like, you know, knowledge and passion and ideas, and it's just somewhere that attracts ghosts. So and also they're free. So, you know, you yeah. don't have to have a reason to be in a library. So maybe that's just why they the ghosts like hanging out there. Some of them are really old, aren't they? Some really old. Oh books. yeah, and yeah. Books as well. And our library was—I mean, it's only—it's fifty years old. The library I work in, but it's built on top of a chapel. So, oh right. Well, there you go. Yeah. So I've got a few few haunted libraries here for you. This is from the OUP blog. So there's St John's Library, which is at the University of Oxford, and there's apparently. Um, it's haunted by the headless ghost of Archbishop William Lord or Loud. He can't be loud if he's in a library. Should we say Lord? Is it not Laird? Laird? There's no R or I. Oh, okay. L-A-U-D. Oh, yeah, loud. Loud, Lord. Yeah, so he was he was beheaded in 1645 following impeachment by the Long Parliament. And apparently he disturbs people studying by kicking his head along the floor in the library. football. <laughs> Isn't that brilliant? Library staff haven't confirmed that they've seen him doing that. <laughs> brilliant. Yeah. Readers have said that they've heard footsteps like advancing and retreating as they're sitting at the desks. Uh, and then because the, the building, it was built by him in the 17th century. And it's known as the Laudian Library or the Laudian Library or however we say it. And the deputy librarian says, we do know that Loud cared passionately about his library and we like to think that he just has a friendly presence here so I think that's quite nice he's just watching over his collection yeah so I like I like the sound of him and then we've got Felbrig Hall which is in Norfolk and William Wyndham III was apparently obsessed with books and the the ghost stories that kind of surround the estate link back to him and his personal library apparently he died from injuries sustained when he was trying to save books from a burning building when he was in London his friend's collection his friend's like house or something went on fire and he went in and tried to save all the books so that's how much he loved books but now he's returned apparently he's returned to Felbrig Hall so ghosts don't this is the thing this is what I'm interested in like they don't have to remain where they perished they can you know go to a treasured location if they want to yeah i've been listening to this podcast recently and um they kind of say well you know if all this stuff like time is a flat circle and you know yeah construct and and like so what if you're really haunting yourself what if it's future you trying to come back and and it, it was a bit mind melting yeah well that is a lot yeah That's and it's and then there's around. another one called, I think it's called the stone tape theory. And it's like that 
certain buildings and materials can hold on to emotion and trauma oh I love that so you might there might be like a little bit of something you went through left there and then there might be a little bit somewhere else so that might explain why they're not there all the time it just comes up maybe if that same emotion is like evoked yeah and that would explain I mean obviously places like asylums and hospitals and yeah. and you know where there's a lot of emotion and trauma why there's usually stories of them being haunted because mm-hmm. it's all left over see it's a thinker isn't it yeah. um so yeah but apparently he went back to Felbrick Hall because he he hangs around there because he wants to <laughs> he wants to read all of the texts that he never got to read in his own library so he's getting through his TBR file oh. back at back at where he used to live apparently staff and volunteers have said that they've seen him sitting at the li- sitting at the table in the library or relaxing in one of his chairs apparently he appears only if you place like a certain combination of his of his books on the table to kind of like so it's sort of a summoning type thing Ooh. i quite like that yeah conjuring that's cool isn't it yeah and then there's, I mean, right, the Harry Price collection of magical literature. Have you heard of this? No, but I know who Harry Price is. Yeah, I think we need to go. This could be our next date night, I think, at this library. <laughs> so it's part of the University of London, um, Senate House Library, it's called, and it's the home to the Harry Price collection. So um, it's nearly 30 for anyone who doesn't know who Harry Price is. I'm going to sort of go through some of the stuff that he's got in his collection. But there's like nearly 13,000 books, pamphlets and periodicals on all aspects of the magical sort of paranormal sort of that sort of area. And since the collection arrived, the staff have reported strange activity, such as hearing the sound of loud laughter when there's nobody around or whispering. And um, they've also seen book, books floating around or even just ghostly apparitions. And apparently there's this woman called the Blue Lady, not the Grey Lady or the White Lady, a Blue Lady who apparently haunts the floor that the collection is on. So, yeah, Harry Price was a paranormalist and um, he researched in cases of hauntings, alleged hauntings. And when you read what's actually in the collection, then you can kind of guess why there is so much weird activity surrounding it. So some of the stuff is it's really old, dating back to 1472. And there's a huge section on conjuring. And their outstanding holdings in the area include the first edition of Hocus Pocus Junior, which was published in 1634, not the, Ho- not the Disney one, which it was the first illustrated English work devoted to leisure domain which is the skillful use of one's hands in performing conjuring tricks, oh. leisure domain. That's not a word I'd come across before. Yeah. And Professor Hoffman's Modern Magic and several editions of Malleus Maleficarum, which we all know is the Hammer of Witches. So, yeah, there's that. And then there's also books on um prophecies from nostradamus and joanna southcott do you remember i've talked about her she's linked to the panacea society which is based in bedford and other topics include witchcraft and the occult ghosts mediums spiritualism scientific phenomena um animal magnetism fortune telling astrology and other kinds of research in that sort of area and including there's contemporary pamphlets cover debates such as the genuineness of or otherwise of the cases of the fasting woman of Tutbury or Mary Toft, who allegedly gave birth to rabbits. Have so, you thought about that? 
The name Mary Toft rings a bell. The giving birth to rabbits rings a bell. Maybe I've yeah. somewhere else. And because they found that she was putting rabbits somewhere that you should not put rabbits. Like to fake it. Gross. Yeah. Gross. Poor rabbits. Yeah. You didn't ask for that. Um, I know. But if you, it's a bit like the building thing, I suppose. If you put all those books together and some of them, you know, are so old and they've been sitting around for so long and they've been like absorbing all this energy and all these mm-hmm. bad things and all this trauma, you know, bound to start causing a few problems, I think. Yeah. That's what I think anyway. Oh, and the, li- the librarian of Raglan Castle, which is in Wales, it's a ruin, but it's a tourist attraction. So people still go and visit and they catch glimpses of a ghost beckoning them over mm. on the, the where the wing of the castle was that was once a library. Isn't that brilliant? Yeah. And it's the ghost, it, it's the castle librarian. When I read librarian, I assumed woman, but it's not a woman, it's a man. And then during the Civil War, the librarian hid a collection of valuable books in a secret tunnel underneath the castle. And it was lucky he did because obviously that was the first thing that got destroyed, the library. And apparently nobody knows where he died or what happened to him, but it's thought that his spirit still watches over his hidden collection of books. And it made me think that the guy in Indiana Jones, you know, the knight that's just sitting there and then people, you know, they could choose a book and then he's like, you chose poorly. (laughs) (laughs) What um, Has anyone ever looked for the books? I don't, it doesn't say actually, that would be interesting to find out. Yeah, it would, because like, what if there's, what are they? Like, what if there's these amazing, never seen before books hidden in a tunnel somewhere? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's almost like you could write a story about it. Oh, almost, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And now we're moving on to America. And this is in Bernardsville Library. And I think this is, it seems as though the tavern maybe was on the site where the library is now or or something. It's part of the same building because in 1777, a man called Dr. Byram, who was a traveling doctor, he stopped in this tavern in Bernard's, Bernardsville on his way from a long journey, apparently. And he there he fell in love with the tavern owner's daughter called Phyllis. Her name was Phyllis. Aww. Yeah. And he stayed there for a while and, you know, they kind of fell for each other and, and he started court, courting her. And then one night after he'd been there for a while, a group of soldiers came in um, and they were on there from General George Washington's army. And when Dr. Byram saw them, he basically got the willies and he just scarpered. He left the tavern just disappeared with like no chance to say goodbye to anybody. And the the next day soldiers sort of thought this was a bit strange. So they went after him and they caught him because they were suspicious of his behaviour. And it turned out he was actually a British spy. So they obviously captured him and exposed him for who he was. And then he was obviously tried, convicted and then hung quite quickly. And they brought the body in the coffin back to the tavern and gave it to the tavern owner and he knew how devastated his daughter would be um about what happened so he didn't tell her that he oh. that he'd been murdered no just kept it secret so he just hid it in the back he hid it in the back of the tavern and then of course phyllis came down the next day sees a coffin and then she saw her the love of her life dead oh. inside and she obviously was a bit shocked by this and then shortly after she died, probably of a, a broken heart. And apparently oh, in the library, there's been sightings of this 
poor Phyllis kind of looking for her lost love. So, um, yeah, it's um, very sad, very sad story. And then in India, the National Library of India, it has apparently there's a there's a ghost called Lady Metcalf who haunts the corridors. She's been there for quite for quite a while. Lots of people have seen her. And also talking about secret tunnels and stuff that some archaeologists, I think, were doing some work on the building or like some preservationists or something. And when they like did their um, survey, they found this completely hidden secret underground chamber that was so hidden and secret, didn't even have an entrance, no doors or trap doors to get in. And they're trying to find a way to get inside to find out what's in there. But they suspect that it might be like either a torture chamber or used as a tomb, a sealed tomb. So somebody could have been sealed in there or it's got treasure in there, but they haven't found a safe way to actually get into this chamber yet. Yeah, I don't know. I think it seems to be like part of the... Well, the, the the building goes back to the early 1800s. So whether it was like, yeah, built on top of something or it was like, let's build the building and we'll put this chamber in while we build it. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah, just those. That was quite a quick one. But, uh, yeah, they, so you've got some haunted libraries there. If anybody, ha- anybody listening has been to a haunted library, we'd love to hear about it. Yeah, definitely. Um, I wonder if Gladstone's That's- library is haunted surely yeah it must be and because it's right next to a church it's right next to a graveyard isn't it yeah yeah because we had a nice morning walk didn't we or did i go on my own no i was with you it was nice it was really romantic it was (laughs) okay so i am talking about pareidolia i don't know how to say it (laughs) i looked up how to say it it kept showing me greek um letters like like i'm meant to know how to pronounce a greek letter so pareidolia i'm going to say if i'm wrong soz yeah someone can correct us yeah exactly so the definition of it from the miriam webster dictionary is the tendency to perceive a specific often meaningful image in a random or ambiguous visual pattern so it's also when you see faces in stuff mm. so if you see uh, a knot of wood and it looks like a face, that is pareidolia. <clears throat> um, so, are you are you predisposed to see these faces, or are I will tell you? Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, it was once thought to be a symptom of psychosis. Now, right. I see faces in everything, and I see like images in everything. So, you- I would have been absolutely. I would have just been locked up for many reasons. <laughs> But symptom of psychosis, that's quite scary. But when they look at it now, um, it's a very, very common human trait. So it comes from the Greek words para, which means um, beside or alongside or instead of, and eidolon, which means image, form or shape. So it's something like another shape or alongside a shape. Um, The first known use of the word was in a paper from 1866 and it was a german paper <laughs> now they've said it was called the german word pariadolie which i that is definitely not how german people say it but i'm not going to offend anybody by trying to do a german <laughs> <laughs> um and then it was translated <laughs> into english as pariadol- pariadolia 
um, which means partial hallucination and perception of secondary images. So right. this sounds like the kind of thing that if you saw faces and stuff, you kept it to yourself. Um, yeah. Because everybody thinks you're a bit mad. So what it actually is, is when people interpret random images or patterns as a face. And it's thought now, after like some more modern study, that because if you look at something, so, you know, when you see a picture of like a plug and it looks like a surprised face or you see some yeah. downturned lines where the eyebrow should be and, and you can tell it's an angry face. So the fact that we as humans can look at a random image and not only see a face in it, but we can distinguish what kind of mood that face would be in is thought to be eons and eons of natural selection and people oh. being able to recognise um, danger. So it's mm. like hardwired into our brains that we recognise the face and then we will decide whether that face is a threat or not. And if it is, you know, you, your brain wants to run. Um, so rather than it being a psychosis thing, it's actually been a way that people have survived for years and years and years. So I thought that was really interesting because I didn't hmm. think, I thought it was just like a pattern spotting thing. I didn't yeah, know. Yeah, but it's but it's part of like evolution to be able to recognise like if someone's like angry at you or mad at you or happy or. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's quite clever. So that's what's thought now anyway. Um, so not only do we see faces in objects, we also sometimes see them in things called mindlets which is um, a pattern in the natural world. And it's normally on like a big rock or a cliff face. And it's when erosion and weathering have caused a pattern and our brains see a face in it. So man on the moon, you know, some people see that you see the face of mm. a man in the moon. Um, there's a face on Mars, which I'd never yeah. heard of before, but it really does look like, like a mask on Mars. And it's actually just where the craters and things are on a mountain range. Um, apparently there's one on Pluto that's heart-shaped. So people see patterns everywhere. Rorschach, um, Rorschach, I think I'm saying that right, the ink blot tests, you know, and they hold up the big black blob and they say, what do you see? That's an attempt at using pareidolia to gain insight into somebody's mental state. Gosh. So that's an interesting one. So because... Obviously, depending on where you are in your life and what your experiences are and what kind of a mood you're in, you and me might see something completely different. And those things are interesting because everybody is so aware of them because they're used in films and TV shows so often, yeah. aren't they? So if someone did that on me, I'd be so conscious about saying the first thing that I saw. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> you'd be like, mm, what does that mean? Uh, yeah. Um, it's been used in art. So Leonardo da Vinci used it a lot as a device. Um, in the 20th century, so 1908, there was a piece of art called Salem. And it was of an, it's an old man or a woman in like a blanket. And you can see it's in that kind of, they've got this, one of those funny hats on, you know, like the Salem Puritans at the time. Yeah. So it's obviously based on the witch trials. But in the big cloak or blanket that is covering the person, um, some people say you can see the devil's face. 
in the cloak but the artist always denied that he put it in there said oh well, i didn't do it deliberately or whatever so that caused a lot of like religious uproar um so i found that one interesting salvador dali was often often used pareidolia he liked to put faces in to places where he didn't expect them um shadow people so you hear about like hauntings and shadow figures and they think that that is often pareidolia um because it it's just searching for patterns within shadows um and again depending on what kind of mental state you're in one night you might think that the pile of clothes on the chair is a demon and then the next night you know it's just stuff that you've not bothered to put away yeah um and ghosts some people believe that ghosts are also a form of this so it's just kind of arranging different parts of the room into a recognizable shape which i think going back to like the the thing about recognizing whether people are angry or not it's it's kind of the same isn't it it's like looking yeah. at your surroundings and trying to figure out where's safe and where isn't and yeah i remember reading that um it was when i did that one on premonitions and whether people get premonitions and stuff and i remember reading that some expert said that humans just love patterns they just because again it's about evolution i suppose and it's it's sort of trying to ascertain how something is going to turn out how something's going to work out so yeah. often if 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 you see something over and over you think oh it means something but i suppose it, it's all part of the same thing really yeah kind of there is another thing that i didn't look into it has a slightly different name and that's about um like seeing it in a wider sense so not just faces but other things as well mm. the shroud of talk Turing, Turing, Shadow Turing. God, my, uh, <laughs> just can't speak today. Um, so that, for anyone who's unfamiliar, is the piece of linen that Jesus was supposedly wrapped in mm. when he was put into the tomb. And it said that there is like a full-size Jesus imprint on this thing. Um, but it's also been said that there are imprints of Roman coins there are imprints of plants that are native to Israel and insects that are native to Israel. And all these have been seen at some point on the Shroud of Turin. But oh. people have said, oh, well, look, that's a Roman numeral and it would be off a coin. And But it's never been confirmed. So different people have seen lots and lots of different things in it. But there's never been any proof that it's... I didn't know about all those extra bits that people no, have me seen. Neither. No, isn't that interesting? It is. I will get to religion in a sec because there's a lot mm. of weird religious stuff. Uh, but this is my favourite. So in 2013, um, J.C. Penney is like a big shop in America. Yeah, and they released a teapot, and people went absolutely crazy. Do you remember? I'm going to. I think you. I've. Yeah, I think I've yeah. read about this. I'll put it on Instagram. It really made me laugh, and I showed it to Luke last night, and I covered it up, and I said what does this look like? And he was like, what? And I went, who does it look like? And he went, what? And then he went, oh. um, it was called the Hitler teapot. So this teapot, whatever way they had designed it, it just looks like Adolf Hitler. So of course, people absolutely kicked off and they had to remove and discontinue it in the end. But because it became such a collector's item, they go for like hundreds of pounds on eBay, which is bizarre. 
we had a bottle of um children's i'll have to see if i can go and find it children's shower gel and it was a white bottle with a blue lid and the blue lid was at an angle like that and the way that the writing was like the the middle letter was blue so he it just it that looked like hitler whenever i looked at it oh, I was like, yeah. that like <laughs> it's like you see cats who look like hitler and it's just yeah. that they have a black marking but it's i guess he's such a ingrained image isn't he in yeah yeah um there is a book actually called madonna of the toast and that is a collection. It's by Buzzpool. It was out in 2007. And it's got things like Mary on a grilled cheese, Mickey Mouse on the side of a cow, Mother Teresa on a cinnamon bun. <laughs> um, and so it reminded me of this story. When I was at school, we had an RE teacher. And I grew up in an area where there's a lot of Orthodox Jewish people, as well as a lot of kind of Christian people. And the rumour was that this RE teacher used to be Jewish. I don't know if she was until one day she saw Jesus in a tree and then she converted to Christianity and now she taught Ari at the local secondary school. That's such a school story, isn't, isn't it? it? Brilliant. I have no <laughs> idea whether it's real or not, but it just this really reminded me of it. I thought, you know, people say they see weird things everywhere and it's really religious and it's really Christian. Um, loads of Christians just think that... Yeah. Mary and everything even if it's like I saw um one and it, it said it was Mary but it was just a rainbow of colors whatever reflection had hit glass in a certain way it was like a rainbow but because it was a really bent rainbow it was said to be an apparition of Mary but then I found it really interesting that apparently in Islam there's a really similar thing but with the word for Allah appearing in nature so, because if, oh, really? yeah, if you go into a mosque and stuff, you don't see images of people or animals because it's it's not something that they do. It's a lot of geometric shapes and patterns because I think Muslim people believe that if you represent a human in like a place of worship, you you kind of doing a disservice to God because you'll never do it as well as he will do it. Oh, they don't have it so that's why you see a lot of geometric shapes and patterns you see a lot of nature represented and you see lots of writing so I found it really interesting that a culture that does that and doesn't have images of their god everywhere yeah. then see the word instead so there's yeah. been things like cutting into a fruit and part of it looks like it says Allah in Arabic and yeah well that was fascinating yeah very very so Finishing off, psychologists say that people with strong faith or strong paranormal beliefs will see more. So we'll interpret patterns in more things. They may mm. interpret things differently. Um, and it's pareidolia is also in music. So, you know, when you get that hidden messages in music, like play it backwards and the devil's there or whatever. So some people actually do hear that stuff then, or they think that they're hearing it. So because yeah. there's always something isn't there or some band that people are like ah and actually you know maybe they are some people are just trying to cause some upset but some people really do hear it then yeah but I mean how many times have you misheard song lyrics oh yeah it's, you know and it, like there's that Taylor Swift song it got a long list of ex-lovers and people were singing about Starbucks <laughs> like got a lo long list of Starbucks lovers and <laughs> so there's there's a, um, a line in We Are Family, Is it, I think Sister Sledge sang it, oh. where she says, just let just let me state for the record. But it sounds like she says, just let me staple the vicar. You listen <laughs> to it. You won't, you won't be able to hear anything else now. 
So there you go. So that's pareidolia. Um, my favourite last example is Georgia O'Keeffe. I should have put her in the art section. So if you're not familiar with Georgia O'Keeffe, she paints massive pictures of flowers. Um, but they are often seen as quite suggestive because they look like female genitalia. Um, <laughs> but Georgia O'Keeffe is adamant that they are just flowers. They're just flowers. flowers. If you're seeing what you think you're seeing, then you're the problem, not me. That is your (laughs) strong faith or paranormal belief coming through. (laughs) (laughs) So that's that. That's faces in things. Yeah. It was an idea that I had ages ago about some kids that saw faces in things. And that's as far as it went, really. (laughs) Oh, I remember that. Were they twins? Yeah, yeah twins who saw faces. Yeah. I won't give it mm. away just in case I ever get to write it. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Thank you for that. Okay. Thank you. See you next week. Yeah. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Browser history deleted.